Hello, welcome to Varvel Football Podcast for July. I'm Johnny again. I think we ditched my intro voice because at this point it was getting on my nerves. If you do want to listen to that, then. So then do go back to the previous podcast where I say how amazing and how much we're going to expand and grow the podcast. And that was until I ditched that idea and just kept Harry bringing Harry on every week. I mean, you know. to be fair, you can't really get much of a better guest than me, to be fair, not blow my own trumpet. But um, yeah, well, uh, to be fair, Johnny, it went from let's do this every week to let's do this every month. And it also went from let's get a new guest every week to just bringing me on. So here we are. Well, well, continuity is sometimes very good. Absolutely. And also, yeah, and also budget restraints meant that we can't just bring <laughs> anyone on from anywhere. You'll do it for free. We can't, can't, you know, necessarily. Of course, I am joking slightly. All of our wonderful guests were doing it out of their good hard-earned time uh, just because they all love me so much. And now not many do love me so much. So that's why Harry keeps coming back. That's the truth of it. That's the truth of it. Tell you what, Harry, over this past month, football aside, Prime Minister's gone and there's been so many heat waves going on. I mean, what's going on in Britain? Mental. It's all going a bit mad, to be honest, isn't it? I mean, it it has all gone on. I mean, that last week, to be fair, yeah, I couldn't handle it. I mean, no. thankfully, I'm on the coast in the northeast. We don't get a lot of sun. No, but I think it was 34 degrees. 37 for me 30, last yeah. week. Yeah, and you're yeah. more inland, aren't you? Yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. I mean, the oh, thing is, it could have been, as someone quite rightly pointed out on Twitter, can't remember the name, but they said it could have been a Summer World Cup in ordinary times. Can you imagine the England national team playing in that? My well, we've got to God. go to Qatar. At least they've got some air conditioning there. One of the big things here, obviously we don't have the aircon in Britain. That's why we were all sort of, we were all like ice creams, just melting at the very prospect of the sun outside. It was absolutely tragic, so humid. And uh, yeah, well, that's too much. And of course, Bojo went as well. He couldn't handle the heat, literally, in Parliament. Uh, so that's another one that's going to go on for quite some time. And the football season will start before we have a new prime minister in place. And that's what we're going to talk about generally. Not the new prime minister in place, that's for another one. But of course, the, uh, the return of the football. I mean, I always think, Harry, it's weird because some people are... I mean, they're literally frothing at the mouth um, for football the, the week after the season ends. They are they are so for it. I mean, you know me, I've, I've got quite a lot of interest. So to me, I, I don't even realise. Do you? What... <laughs> I, I try, I try. But literally some people, when the, when, the, when the week ends of the last season, they're like, oh, you know, what am I going to do to fill my time? And literally, I'll tell you now, I someone said the season starts next week. I says, no. I says it does. It's it flown, really hasn't it? It's gone so quickly. Yeah, I mean, I'd like a bit of a break, to be honest. Mm. I never get those people where, like, the season ends and then a week later everyone's going, where's the sign? And it's like, no, I don't. Just, yeah. just, go on, just go on holiday, like, switch off from football. I know it's hard yeah. for people, uh, but I must say, I am frothing at the mouth now for a bit of Newcastle, a bit of football yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, can't wait. Obviously, another week to go for the Premier League, but uh, AFL, you'll know all about the AFL, Johnny. We all keep being in there. Um, <laughs> Starting off, starting off this week, so no, it's 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 ramping up, mm. and uh, we're nearly here another season. But it has flown, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, just a quick word on the EFL. I mean, generally speaking, EF, I've always found the EFL to be a fantastic division because of the competitivity. You could literally have a one to twenty-four prediction beforehand, and the team you put in twenty-fourth ends up winning the league. That has happened in some situations. It's that competitive. Um, usually it's a division where five, there are literal fine margins because many of the teams are so close in terms of the composition uh, that they have. I mean, your old, uh, Newcastle's old manager, Steve Bruce, in charge of West Brom. To be hey. fair, the setup there, many people will have them down to be 
one of the favourites for automatic promotion. They've got a very, very good squad, experienced squad. Whatever you say about good old Bruce, he's been around the block a few times, hasn't he? But again, we literally don't know. They could be first, they could be second, they could be in the middle of the table. That's how the championship works. That's how the, the EFL works. So it'll be good to get that back. But of course, you know, as Varvel usually focuses, as I say, on the top elite division, the Premier League. So we'll be having more of a general focus on that. Um, but just before we do get onto that, Harry, is there anyone in the EFL maybe Championship stands out for you ahead of that opening weekend? It's a tough one, really. I mean, Burnley. I mean, obviously, mm. you know, you know a lot about them, but it's a massive transition. Uh, on and off the pitch really in terms of the new manager coming in very very exciting it's a left field appointment mm. uh, lots of players have left I know Maxwell Corney and Dwight McNeil are still at the club at the time of recording mm. will be moved on by the time this comes up maybe but yeah there's there's a lot that, that's gone on I mean having Sunderland back in the championship as well I mean close mm. to me of course um, intrigued to see how they get on I think there's maybe some expectations that they can have a decent season to be fair to them I would probably just say staying in the division would be a success pre-season mm. hasn't gone to plan but you know they've sold 30,000 season tickets already for the new campaign seems to be a lot of excitement around um, around Sunderland which is great for North East football because it, it's been it's been pretty miserable here for quite a while and it seems that everybody's kind of gearing around and Middlesbrough as well um, mm. I, I expect them to be really really strong this season uh, the Jed Spence money is has uh, come in really really handily um, they, they've got they've got a solid squad and with a really good manager and Chris Wilder so I expect them to be up there but like you said it's a wide open season it's very very hard to predict but one thing I can predict is Norwich City will probably win the league <laughs> yeah, Daniel Farker has gone, though, and that was the guarantee ticket almost. I do think in Dean Smith, they've got a very good manager who knows the second division. Certainly at championship level, one of the strongest managers in that division, you would say. And also they kept the bulk of the squad that they went down with. Uh, so I do think that I do think that they're you're right. They'll be there or thereabouts. Once again, it would not surprise me if they were in the automatics. It wouldn't surprise me if they were a bit below that. I do think they'll be competing, though. Like you say, even though Farker's not there, they do have a bit of a pedigree at that second in, in that second level, don't they? That, that suggests actually they probably will be up there. So, yeah, very interesting start. Kicks off with Huddersfield versus Burnley on Friday night. And. Yeah, that that will be the start. I mean, Huddersfields are an interesting one, Johnny. Before mm. we move on, because mm. I mean, they've lost Carlos Corberan, who was, yeah. you know, had a to be fair going into that into that season last year. I think a lot of people probably had Huddersfield to go down, or mm-hmm. at least in the bottom half of the table. You know, they mm. were they were ninety minutes away from from being back in the Premier League, but of course mm. they've lost the manager, um, lost Lewis O'Brien, lost Harry Toffolo. Um, uh, what do you think for Huddersfield this season? Because I've seen a few predictions saying that they might be fighting relegation, but that is the harsh reality of the championship, isn't it? It can turn around so quickly. Yeah, well, you touched on O'Brien and Toffolo going to, to Nottingham Forest, but there's, there's been a, a mass exodus of first-team players as well as as well as Coburn. And the manager that's come in, I believe, has just been promoted from within the club. So they've gone for a, an in-house replacement. Can't quite remember uh, the name and can't actually give you too much specific on that. So you'd have to talk to someone from a Huddersfield representative. But from the fans that I have heard from and the general feeling around the club, it's not good. You know, it's not good. There has been a lot happening. There's been a lot happening at Burnley, to be fair. So the predictions for that first game of the championship season are very wild, wide open. Some people would have a Burnley victory on the cards. Others would have a Huddersfield victory on the cards simply because Burnley also have a new manager, a brand new defence goalkeeper and, and almost a very, very different starting 11, shall we say, to the one or expect a starting 11 to the one that finished last season in the Premier League. So, yeah, but the expectation is that Burnley will continue to recruit 
sensibly within their means in a, in a, in a cost cost efficient cost efficient way sorry and that they're expected to push on as the season goes on so a lot of people around Burnley are expecting maybe a slow start with momentum being built as the season goes on at Huddersfield that's not necessarily the case it's very much you know are they going to be able to get the necessary replacements in now that many of the key players have left um will the new manager be able to galvanize that squad as much as Cobra did last year on a budget probably not but I don't want to rule anything out so yeah the the, the feeling there's not great um but again I think a lot of the cases in the championship it will see how they do in the transfer window for the next month that will dictate how sort of we imagine the season to go but until that end of the transfer window, there's actually quite a lot of games so every team will want to get off to a good start I know it's a cliche but it, we're starting earlier than we usually do, which means there's a longer period of games before the transfer window shuts. Imperative, really, to start well and carry on from there. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Should we move on to the Premier League then? Do, yes. I mean, this is a this is a Premier League podcast. Um, you, you touched on Arsenal before, so I think mm. it's probably best to start with them. Yeah. Because in terms of of personnel that they've brought in and the preseason they've had. It has been very, very impressive, hasn't it? I mean, they've brought in some fantastic players, Jesus and Sinchenko. Mm. Um, for me, that, that's probably won the window for them so far, should we mm. say. Uh, and pre-season-wise, if you look at that form alone, they'll probably have a chance for the title. I don't think they will, but they've uh, yeah, they've had it really good, haven't they? I have a feeling they might get into the top four this season. And I think yeah. what we saw last season was somewhat of an overachievement because I didn't think that was a top four squad. And when no, they got there... But they got there, didn't they, Harry? And they got there. And once they were there, they should have done. They should have finished it. In the position they were in, they should have finished it. And they did bottle it. And there'll be questions about marks about character. There'll be question marks about Arteta to get there and to then have that be in that position. It was almost like they didn't expect anything. They didn't expect anything. They didn't expect anything. They got into that Tottenham game, uh, the North London derby towards the end of the season. And they thought, well, we'll just get a draw. Get a draw. We probably, we probably, yeah, we yeah. can probably be all right and we can we can do it. They capitulated at, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, they capitulated at St James's Park and then they turned up for the final game against Everton when it didn't matter, really. We did, but obviously Tottenham were going to beat Norwich, who were down and out. Yeah. So a lot of question marks came in then. I'm sure we'll be looking at some of those on the uh, Amazon Prime documentary that's coming out. I can't wait for that, by the yeah. way. Yeah, it'll be interesting, won't it? I think, as I said, I, I think... It would have been an overachievement. It was just how they fell. Now, perfect response this window, you know, with the signings that they've made. Arteta's young and he's growing and every season I feel like he's going to become a more mature manager. I think he's already shown maturity. I think every season he, he carries on, he'll show more. Same with the young players. Every season they have in, in, in Premier League football, they become more hardened, more resilient, more steely, better mentality. And in theory, I just see them getting better and better. Now, if you'd have asked me a bit ago, would they get fourth? You see four world-class coaches, I think, in the Premier League, and Arteta's not there yet. But there is something that slightly worries me about Chelsea. And I do think that with Arsenal going up and up and up in terms of recruitment, in terms of everyone getting a collective sense of more experience, I think they are on the ascendancy. And I'm questioning whether Chelsea are or whether they're actually in slight decline even with the signings they've made, two very good signings so far, Koulibaly and Sterling. So I am looking at it and thinking it will be quite close for that fourth spot, no doubt, because Tuchel's an outstanding manager, Chelsea has some outstanding players still. But at this moment, I would have I would have Arsenal fourth. And if Chelsea 
don't quite get it right. I think they could fall as far as sixth because Eric Ten Hag's had a really strong start with Man United in terms of getting them, getting the players in the squad drilled into a way of playing. A lot of the goals he scored in pre-season are built around drills and built around the style uh, that's been worked on. They're not just spontaneous pieces of magic like previously maybe under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was the case. And I know it's a small sample size, but the early signs are very good. And if Ronaldo does go, that might be a benefit to them. Um, and of course, we know Ten Hag's a very good coach from his time at Ajax. If he can get the squad convinced in his style of play, they'll take some stopping. I don't think they'll get fourth, but I think they can have a better season certainly than last. And last season, they finished sixth. Yeah, I'm going to touch on Chelsea first because I agree with you. If any team is going to drop out of that top four, I think it will be them. Preseason's not being great. They have an aging squad that I would I would probably say. I mean, I think Sterling's a, a wonderful signing. Uh, Koulibaly, you know, teams were being quoted how much for him a few years ago? 75, 80 million, everybody wanted him. So intriguing to see how he does. Uh, but I think losing Rudiger, is a, that's a massive, massive blow to Chelsea. I don't think people realise actually just how good he is. And I think that, that losing him is going to cost them. I know you said that Arsenal will finish inside the top four. Actually, I've got Chelsea to finish in fourth, Arsenal to come in fifth. Um, the, the main reason behind that is that um, Arsenal had no European competition to contend with last season. Um, they could essentially fully focus on the Premier League. Uh, this time around, they're going to be playing Europa League. You imagine that they're probably going to try and win that or go at least very far in the competition. They don't have a massive squad. Um, and also the five sub rule as well, I think will, will benefit probably Chelsea a little bit better in terms of the players they've got coming back. Likes of Conor Gallagher, if he doesn't start, he's fantastic to come off the bench. Um, but no, it, it's going to be, I think it's going to be very, very tight inside that, that between that maybe third to sixth. I think Spurs have, have will, you know, with a full season under Conte, will, will finish third in the table. Uh, pretty confident of that. I don't think they're good enough to challenge the top two. Um, I don't think anyone's near them, but I do think that gap will uh, come closer with Spurs. Um, you said with Man United, you, you expect them to... Did you say fifth for, for Manchester United? <laughs> I think it's, it's different. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll let you... Do, I, I think maybe it depends on the potential collapse of Chelsea, but I'll discuss that in a bit more detail. Yeah. Let you just carry on with your point. Yeah, I mean, I've got Man United to finish sixth, but I think it is going to be really, really close. It could be like five points separating anything from the top four all the way down. I think Ten Hag will make a difference, but it's a massive job, that one. It's a bit like when Klopp went to, to Liverpool first time and it, it took him a long time to eventually, you know, bring players in, that sort of thing. I think the Ronaldo problem, um, that could become a big issue because I don't care what anyone says. He's a wonderful player that will cause bother in the dressing room. It's not really what Man United needs. I certainly think they'll get a lot closer, like I said, but they've not, they're have not they not really pulling up trees in terms of the recruitment and the players they've brought in. Uh, Frankie de Jong, I mean, he doesn't want to be there. Why are they trying to sign him? Why are you trying to bring a player that doesn't want to be at your football club, especially in that position where it seems that they've got a broken dressing room? Do you really want to go and sign a world-class footballer that isn't interested in playing football? No, it's a fair point. I think it is a crazy one, that, actually. I don't understand the De Jong thing at all. It's, it's, it's symptomatic of Man United. The past signing players, you know, that aren't really uh, obsessed or dis- with, the, with the full desire to play for their club. But by all accounts, it's Eric Ten Hag pushing for that, not the United yeah. hierarchy. So he's obviously a player who who played under Ten Hag at Ajax. He's a very, very, very good player. Now, he's about, now supposedly Xavi wants to keep him at Barcelona, so that might bring an end to that episode of course it was all a very complicated one where Barcelona owed him wages they were trying to offload him then they wanted Bernardo Silva Bernardo Silva's not leaving City so it was a complicated one um on those three teams though yeah I think 
the United fifth depends on where Chelsea end up. And th- th- I always think with Chelsea, even though Roman Abramovich is gone, there's a sort of squad mentality in place that almost that when 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 the squad goes through a period of time with a coach, that sometimes the 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 standards just sort of waver and start to slip a little bit. We've seen this with some of the best coaches in the world. Antonio Conte in his second season couldn't sustain the form that he had in his first season with Chelsea. And Jose Mourinho, after winning the title, then got sacked around the Christmas period uh, in his second spell at the club when the when the players and, and, the, and, the, and the form just fell off a cliff. Maurizio Sarri only had the one season, of course, but so we can't really give it too much to him. But then Lampard, of course, very good fourth, and then he just couldn't get it together after that. Lampard might not necessarily have been completely down to the mentality, maybe just not quite having the right coaching skill set. But there is always a pattern with Chelsea, I feel like, that they generally do quite well for a sustained period, and then there's a collapse of some kind. Then they come back. And then they go back. And there have been a few signs of that, potentially, because... You mentioned Rudiger. Koulibaly coming in if Rudiger signed would be a great signing because you could have had Koulibaly, Silver, and Rudiger, and you're thinking, wow, that that's a mean. That's probably a mean the defense. best defense in the league in terms of centre halves. Yeah, quite possibly. But when you bring Koulibaly in for Rudiger, who did so well in that system, you think, well, def- as a defender, solely a defender, Koulibaly is better than Rudiger. But as a defender in that back three for Tuchel, is he? That's the difference because obviously Rudiger was very athletic and excellent at passing. You know, that was quite an underrated yeah. thing, how he could break through the lines with his passing. Koulibaly, not renowned for being an amazing distributor of the ball, even though his defending is very good. Silver, of course, is very good with his, his defending. But then also it seems like Koundé might be going to Barcelona now, who seemed lined up for Chelsea. Don't know why they're getting this money for <laughs> Honestly, magic. Well, they're not paying anybody any money who actually plays for them. Yeah, well, suppose. Yeah, there we go. I'd be mental. But to lose out on Koundé would be a blow. Because if he wants to play back three, some are saying Tuka wants to morph into a back four. That would be something different. If he wants to play back three, then ideally he would have two centre backs this window because Christus has gone. Aspiliqueta wants to go, supposedly. Yeah. Marcus Alonso is supposedly keen to go as well. And then before you know it, the squad's starting to look a lot more wafer thin. In terms of, yeah, and in terms of going forward as well, I mean, Kante's not getting any younger. Yeah. He didn't reach the levels that we've seen in previous years from him. Mm. And, you know, the Lukaku situation was just, uh, it was crazy. Awful. I mean, that's yeah. probably, that is probably the worst signing in Premier League history. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, really poor. I'd, I, and supposedly the board wanted him. Tuchel was sort, he was happy to sanction the deal, but he wasn't completely convinced now they're going fully through the manager, which makes a lot more sense. But there's so much to do. There is so much to do. Like I said, they've got Koulibaly and Sterling now. Sterling, like you say, wonderful signing, gives them a goal-scoring threat in those wide forward positions. They've not really had one. Not really had. If Sterling plays every game this season, he'll get close to 20 goals in the Premier League. I have yeah. no doubt. Maybe 16, 17. Do you think there's an argument for him to play as a centre-forward next season? No. No, no, no. no. It's a bit like Mo Salah, isn't it? I think he does best where he's drifting in from the wide position. So it's hard to keep, it's hard to sort of mark him and then he ghosts in. And then like Liverpool have Firmino in that false nine position or had Firmino in that false nine position. And he did a really good job with Salah and Mane of almost being the foil he was described as. And then Mm -hmm. as defenders closed in on him, his cute little flicks and cute little movements drag people out. Salah and Mane were the prime benefactors of that. You almost sense the same thing with Havertz. 
someone who can just sort of make them cute movements yeah. in that false nine position. Havertz isn't going to get 20 goals a season from a number nine, but he will theoretically help those around him get that movement to get the goal. He's going to get over 20 in terms of goals and assists, isn't he? You would think. And, but then as well, like I say, it's so important to have a Sterling in there now because last season you'd have those wide forwards and they would get those chances, but they wouldn't take them. Mount, Ziyech, Pulisic, Werner, they're all culpable of missing really good opportunities um, when those spaces opened up. Sterling will be a bit of a resolution for that, I do feel. But if Chelsea, look, if Chelsea had kept the bulk of the squad they had last year, they sound Koulibaly and Sterling, you'd be saying, well, this is some serious business. But they haven't. And it feels like they've, they've almost had... Not the soul ripped from them, but they've had quite a lot ripped from them, more than you would imagine because of the Abramovich situation and the uncertainty. Christens, like I said, Christensen has gone as well at the centre-back. You've got players there who aren't sure if they want to be there. Can't, like you say, Kante's only playing half of the games now. I think, Harry, as well, with, 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 when Tuchel came in, they had, a very, they had a lot of very good players and it was really hard to find a way to keep them all working because... And remember when Maurizio Sarri played, like he played his 4-3-3. Jorginho was the, the six. But he couldn't do the defensive work needed for a six in the Premier League. He was a good register, but he wasn't capable, I don't think, of doing what, say, Rodri does at Man City or Calvin Phillips. He couldn't get stuck in. He couldn't uh, protect the back four, back four, so to speak. And then Kante as an eight. Kante is not really an eight. He's more of a double pivot, isn't he? Like His best performances for France mm-hmm. were with Pogba in the double pivot six. So you'd sort yeah. of play Jorginho and Kante as a double pivot. It kind of works. They sort of protect each other's flaws in a way. Um, but then you've got Kovacic as well. And Kovacic sort of, he's better in that position. So you put them in a double pivot. You get James and Chilwell as the wing-backs. The centre-back, Rudiger had flaws to his game. All the centre-backs did. Silva was getting old. So you make a back three. You get the wing-backs. You put those two as the double pivot. And then you sort of, you put Mount as one of your wide forwards. The other guy's one of your wide, Pulisic or Werner as your wide forward. And you have the striker as well. And the, the system kind of worked. It kind of patched everything together. And it kind of it, it kind of worked. Because you had a lot of players from different managers. But that hasn't really changed. I think Tuchel really needs to be able to get his you know, feet under the table and start to sign his players consistently. I mean, also, they had a bit of a freefall near the end of the season because they, I mean, they, they yeah. lost quite a lot of games. And if they were yeah. winning, it wasn't convincingly. It was it, 2-1, 1-0. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a big job. But I mean, like I, I, I did touch on a little bit before the five subs. Mm. Could that be a benefactor for Chelsea? Because, I mean, they have got a huge squad and they have got some players that, you know, compared to other sides in terms of players they can bring off the bench that they yeah. usually wouldn't be able to, can that be a big advantage for Chelsea and might even get them over the line in terms of a top-four finish again? I mean, I, when Chelsea were in the title race last year, you sort of looked at it and you thought, oh, they've got a, you know, they've had the Kaku. That could be the difference now to get them to the to the title. But then I'd look at it and think, well, you that argument, the depth. But I feel like it's just they've got a lot of good players. Not a lot of great players, a lot of good players. Pulisic, good Solid, player. Solid, yeah. good player. Yeah. Kovacic, good player. Uh, Marcus Alonso, good wingback. Hudson Adoy, decent. Hudson Adoy, yes. good. But none of them that you'd say, oh, they're getting Liverpool's team or Man or no. Man City's team. So it's just like they've got good players. They're not going to take you forward, and that, that's what I think was a bit misleading. Chelsea have a lot of good players, actually, Harry. You're right, a lot of generally they've got, they've the got season, players that would walk into the bottom fourteen or thirteen. Yeah, not that top bracket where they, they want they'd to walk the into four. the top ten teams. Yeah, you know they would. But ultimately, when you're at that far end, you're competing with Chelsea and City. No, you don't have that. And now, like I say, just recently, Arsenal won 4-0 in pre-season. Tuchel's coming out questioning the attitude of players, and he's done that twice in pre-season already. 
common theme that with Chelsea managers. When that starts to happen, you start. To, I know it's only pre-season, but you just think, hmm, well, this happens a lot. This happens. It's almost like the Chelsea mentality ingrained from the Abramovich era, you know. And then if you start, if you're not too happy with the coach, hmm, maybe they'll change. Now Tom Bowley's in charge now, so it'll be interesting to see if Chelsea had finished sixth. If they kept with Tuchel, I'd say fair play because I do think they're better off if they do that. There's not, there's no bad coach than Tuchel. No. But I feel like, given the where this season started, given the umming and ahhing that I'm sort of sensing around Chelsea, I wouldn't be surprised if they did finish sixth. I just hope they'd have the the balls, shall we say, to stick with Tuchel in, in, if that did happen. Because again, he's a he's a truly world class coach. Came in and f- basically acted as a firefighter, and he's been sort of firefighting. He'll have to be a firefighter again this season because it's not an ideal situation when Arsenal's going going around, keeping the majority of that squad, and then signing some excellent players across the board. I mean, we didn't even touch on Fabio Vieira coming in from Porto for no. 31 million. Attacking midfielder, g- can rotate with Smith Rowe, Erdegaard, you got Martinelli, who can, who's really coming into form on that left side. Saka, of course, as well. And Ketia signed a new deal. Jesus is there. The depth in that squad, you were saying about five subs. I'd back Arsenal's five subs right now over Chelsea's. That, it's certainly a, a one to bring up, isn't it? I mean, like, I know you've touched on there before. Todd Bowley... Um, big season just to see how he plays us out because like the Abramovich approach to a manager is very gun ho get yeah. him sacked get mm. a new manager in he does well sack him straight away after mm. he has played a pretty forward role hasn't he Todd Bowley in terms of he's at the centre of a lot of the negotiations certainly was for the Sterling signing mm. um, yeah it's it's going to be a, it's going to be I think like you said there I think they've got to keep Tuchel because there isn't mm. I don't think there's any better options out there but mm. it wouldn't surprise me if they weren't looking at Maurizio Pochettino at some point and considering that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's certainly a one, because I think he certainly has unfinished business in the Premier League. Would that mm. be a good fit? Who knows? But like you said, mm. Tuchel's probably the best choice. Mm. It could be a season though for Chelsea where they do drop out of the top four, which is crazy to think, because we all sat here last season going, who's going to win the league? Manchester City or Chelsea? Mm. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's the way football works, isn't it? I mean, the two best projects are Liverpool and Man City, which is why they're probably going to be the top two. You touched on Conte a little bit there in Tottenham. They've had a very good window as well. They, I think they will be com- comfortably better than the others in the race for fourth. Yeah. And I wouldn't rule them out either because Liverpool's transitioning a little bit with, with Darwin Nunez coming in instead of Mane. Uh, Manchester City, like I've said on this podcast before, bringing Eiling Haaland in is... A benefit in many ways, but maybe takes away from the dominance of certain games because he's an old-fashioned centre forward who scores the tap, and scores the goals. Um, fantastic centre forward, one of the best in, in Europe. But he's old-fashioned. He's not someone who drops deep, links the play, makes cute flicks. He's a big, strapping centre forward. He's a proper Premier League number nine, isn't he? But it goes against a bit what Manchester City have been doing for so long. So there's a bit of transition there. There's a bit of adapting from both teams. Liverpool, you see, I'd say that that big strapping centre forward would be better suited to a Liverpool team that like to throw balls into the box a lot of the time. Not Well, cross balls into the box. Darwin Nunez, who's also a big strapping centre forward, who could benefit from that. Liverpool, you know, the amount of times you've been like, oh, if someone would have been on the, on the end of that with the head for Liverpool. So you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson coming forward like flying rockets, knocking balls in every two minutes and not always having a, an answer to that. Well, Nunez would be that answer. But again, he's going to have to adapt to the way Liverpool play as well. Whereas at Tottenham, you've got a front three that love playing with each other. Kulisewski's been on fire since he's come to the Premier League. Son and Kane are world class. And you've just added Richarlison to that, who's, I would say they've overpaid, to be fair. I mean, £60 million in a market where not many people are signing big play, players for big money is 
to me, a little bit of an overpayment. Uh, I mean, just look at Arsenal, who got Jesus for 47. Is he 13 million better than Jesus? Probably not. Um, but one thing that Richarlison does have, well, obviously he has that tigerish mentality Conte loves, but he can also play right-sided forward, striker or left-sided forward. That's why I think they signed him. And you you need attacking depth in that situation. They've got uh, Longley from Barcelona on loan. That's a really smart signing because next summer as well. Yeah, well, well, the centre back they wanted a left centre back. Supposedly Longley for twelve months is a stopgap, so that in twelve months' time they can go for a Bastoni or someone yeah. of that ilk. Is they might have a better chance with it if if the player doesn't sign a contract. Enter twelve months closer to the end of his deal, they, they probably feel more confident in that situation. But Longley, even though he has his critics in Spain. You can't deny, and they can't deny, he's very good on the ball, very composed on the ball, coming out from the back. In a back three, the defensive frailties are hidden more than they are in a back four. In a back three, you want players who can come out with the ball confidently and and play. And, you know, that's why I think actually with Rudiger at Chelsea, I think his defensive flaws and aggressive desire to fly out from the back, they could be exposed a bit at Real Madrid, where they weren't necessarily in the Chelsea in the Chelsea Tuchel system but I would have yeah I would have Tottenham there or thereabouts I think they will ultimately fall a little bit short because they're up against two of the best teams we've seen in English football history really um but I mean like you said last season they were talking about would Chelsea win the league Tottenham will do better than Chelsea did last season in my opinion this season they've got a world-class manager a world-class attack and like you say, Bissouma you added there, Spence to compete with Doherty. And also really interesting, he's played Lucas Moore as a right wing back. Now, I think that's a really interesting idea. Someone who's a lot bags of pace, good work ethic, probably couldn't get enough minutes as a right winger now with Richarlison in. So they're looking at a different option there. There's a lot to be excited about if you're a Tottenham fan. Um, and it's all inspired by Conte. And the, the, we, you know, at the end of last season, they said, will Daniel Levy go head first in for, to Project Conte or will he back out like he always does and he went head first in because he knows this is the best manager they could possibly get and if they don't commit fully to Conte and leave and then they're back to the Nuno Espirito Santo moment of you know get trying to hope a, a winger a prayer you know going with someone who's not really qualified for it and just hoping now they've got someone in who's a, is an absolute dead cert for success if they don't win a trophy under Conte they won't win a trophy in a long time. I mean, I almost feel bad for Tottenham fans because mm. this is a wonderful squad they've got, but ultimately they are not as good as the top two. To win a Premier League, Tottenham probably need about 98 points. They need to be aiming for 100 points. I don't they want I to win a title. I think there might be a bit of a drop off from both teams this year. I think, I think 90. But you're yes. still going to need over 90. You're going to need over 90, yeah. I think so. I think so. Um, it would be reliant on the fitness of Kane and Son. I mean, if Kane and Son are fit for most of the, most of the time, and the the rest of the team commits to Conte's system style and the wing backs, I mean, Perisic as well, really, really good sign. Yeah, it's another signing that we've not. I mean, they've brought in so many players, haven't they? But I think, yeah, Tottenham. I think they will fall into that little lull that Chelsea had last season, where they're they're too good to be competing with fourth down to sixth, but ultimately aren't good enough to fight with the top two. But I certainly think they will run them close. I think they will be within ten points of Liverpool and Man City come the end of the season. Yeah. They've got they've got a great squad. I mean, like you said with with Levy and you know he has he has gone in head first back in Conte, which to be fair he's a businessman, he's a smart bloke. He knew he had to do that. And the fact that they're they're spending sixty million quid on Richarlison, a player that probably isn't going to start, 
just shows the level of of investment in the in the, the Conte project as such. Mm. Um, do you want to address the the top two? Because I mean, it's one of yeah. those, isn't it? It's yeah. um, you said Liverpool were going to win the league yeah. um before yeah. about a month ago, two months ago. Do you still think that's the the case? Because for me, it, it Erling Erling Haaland is a um. Erling. Is, Hurling Haaland. <laughs> he, he's, the, um, he's the cherry on the cake for me, to be honest. I think, that, mm. I think they'll, they'll win the league again. I think... No, I'll, I'll stick with what I said, because when I said it at the time, well, I thought Haaland was going to go to... Well, Haaland had gone to City, I think, at the time, or it was pretty we much We didn't expect Darwin Nunes to go to Liverpool, though, did we? We no. thought if he was going to go to the Premier League, it was probably going to be to Man United. Yeah, and, and he scored four goals recently in, in, in pre-season, in one game. And I mean... Yeah, I, I think Darwin Nunez, he had a bit of flat because he missed a couple of chances. He missed a chance oh, against Man United. I have never seen a player take so much stake in pre-season. But the like, yeah. thing is, like, I've seen all that unravelling on Twitter and it's like, look, if Klopp's bought him, he's going to be all right. The amount yeah. of chances Liverpool creates, he's going to get at least 20 goals. Oh, I don't know. I think he'll get between 15 and 20. I think there will be some the adaptation. chances he is In the Premier get, League. Might get over 20 in all comps. Yeah, all, oh yeah, all comps, not Premier League. Yeah, oh, so yeah, in the Premier League, I think between 15 and 20, you know, it's only 38 games. It, that'd be a solidish return. Uh, in all comps, yeah, you can imagine him probably getting over 20 because, they, they throw, like, I, like I was explaining before, the amount of balls that Alexander-Arnold and Robertson put into the box is begging for someone to go in with the head. They put So, for example, like, at Manchester City, um, they are not renowned for lobbing balls into the box like Liverpool do. Liverpool play a lot more direct. They whip a lot more balls in, certainly against deep blocks as well. And they've been dark crying out for someone who, to get on the end of it like a Darwin Nunez. So, yeah, I, I think that will help them. It's really interesting as well. Like Everyone says they will miss Mane and they will miss Mane. Certainly the Mane that finished last season. But the Mane, the three months before... So if we're going to Mane before Luis Diaz came in and Mane shifted centrally... Mane had been quite average for quite a while. And the COVID season as well, he was pretty poor. He was quite he? poor, yeah. And, yeah. and a lot of people said if he was at Man City, he wouldn't be playing now because they'd have to just rotate someone out. And that's when Luis Diaz came in. Well, he shifted centrally. He did very, very well. He was outstanding centrally. But I think Luis Diaz also raised the levels of everyone. Like, come on, guys, I'm really good now. that I can actually take your place. And I think that sort of got through to Mane. He did really, really well centrally. But Liverpool was still doing very well, even when Mane wasn't doing as well on that left-hand side. So Nunez coming in, yeah, I don't think... I mean, the Mane that left, the Mane, Mane in his peak at Liverpool, I don't think, yeah, it takes some beating. You know, he's a phenomenal in his peak at, at Liverpool. But, you know, Mane that was being carried almost for about a good season or so, a good year or so, not really in the in the peak of his powers... If you're comparing him that manner to Nunez, then you'd say, well, yeah, Nunez can compete with that, certainly, and you'd expect him to get better. Yeah, I'm going to st- I'll stick with Liverpool. I think they've had a solid window. Cavalio coming in from Fulham, very impressive in pre-season by all accounts. Uh, Ramsey coming in at right back from. Um, so yeah, I, I think they will. I think. I think they will do quite well. I think they've got. They, I said. I'm sure they'll do quite well, Johnny. They have the best squad depth <laughs> that they've had since Jurgen Klopp's taken over. They had that last season to, in, with the signing of Diaz. Now they've signed Nunez, Ramsey, Cavallio. That's strength, and obviously Mane's gone, but on balance, I still think they've got the best squad depth Klopp's had, which gives him options with the five subs, which he wouldn't have had a couple of seasons back. And that's why I'm backing them, I think, to do City. And the reason as well, when City won... And it was a very tight, tight title race the time before. We also know City will do it again. But Liverpool showed they had the character, the mentality, and I think that's really underrated with those mentality monsters. To take that 
as inspiration and do it just the same again. They got 99 points. I think I think they can do the same thing again because of the psychology of it. And I I expect them to do to do over Manchester City next season. Close one though, be a close one. Before I get on to why I think Man City win the league, I just want to question you about Mo Salah really because obviously yeah. Nunes is coming in yeah. he is going to be the focal point he's an outright number nine it's not mm-hmm. something that Liverpool have really had when Firmino was playing mm-hmm. the team Salah's almost like the main outlet for goals mm-hmm. do you think he is going to have a quiet season next year and there's going to be more of an impetus on him to assist Nunes as opposed to being the main man and scoring goals um no not really I think I think he, he just means defenders have to think twice doesn't it so if you think oh we're going to get if you're going to go tight to to Darwin Nunez, he's going to want to sort of spin in behind and get on the head, on the end of crosses. Uh, you've got defenders that are going to be wary about aerial threat, but you've also got obviously Salah's threat on the floor. So no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, to be fair, Firmino's not been the false nine starter for quite a while. You've had Diogo Jota, who's not like Firmino. He wants to be on the end of chance of scoring goals like a poacher, if you will. And then you've had Mane again, who's not he's more false ninety maybe than Jota because you know he's not an out and out striker so there's a bit of movement coming in behind and stuff but the but the Firmino years where he was literally sacrificed Firmino sacrificed himself for Salah and Mane they they've been gone for a while you know they just they just sort of tweak things a little bit Liverpool they tweak things here and there I don't know I think Salah's still due to have a, I mean he's had a very good preseason so far and he's signed a new contract and he's and he's rejuvenated. Yeah, I don't, quiet to see. I still think he get twenty goals. Still think. Oh yeah, I mean, quiet for his standards, not in terms of he's not he's going to score like two goals all season. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is that thing as well, isn't there? Like with with Aubameyang, when Aubameyang signed a crazy with a deal new contract. Arms. Yeah. Yeah, but I do think it's different. I, I think he's in an environment where you can't let your standards slip. I don't think you can. Yeah. I think it's, it's whereas the Arsenal camp was basically, oh, we're giving our talisman this money. I don't think Salah's seen as Liverpool's talisman. I think he's seen as a brilliant player in, in a brilliant eleven. You could argue Alisson's their talisman, or Van Dijk, or Trent Alexander-Arnold, or Robertson. I don't think that they'll let the standard slip. So I think he'll still have a very good season. Uh, but it, but listen, on balance, I think they were right to give him the 350000 a week because you don't want to bow down and you know give a player everything that they want. But come on, you know... Given the environment he's in, I just don't think they'll let him ease off. And, I and just it would have think... cost a lot more to replace yeah. him. Yeah. And the chance of that, cases, bring, yeah. If you're trying to bring someone in of that standard, you're going to have to pay him probably around that anyways. Yeah, but in a, in a lot of cases, I think people do, do reward too soon. I just think Salah's a bit of an exception where he's almost in the upper echelons with... De Bruyne. Not the in Ronaldo's, but... Yeah. But of the past few years, kind of, because of his numbers, because of 20 plus, 20 plus, 20 plus, 20 plus, 20... Eventually he doesn't get injured either, Johnny. Like yeah. he stays fit all season. He's such a fantastic asset to them. And I know yeah. Liverpool have quite a strict wage structure, which, to be honest, is, is works really well in their favour in terms of leverage and negotiation. That's City do, though, don't they? Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, I mean City do as well. I mean they've sort of had to break that for Haaland coming in yeah. to the same yeah. amount of money as De Bruyne. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you're going to break it for someone, I think Mo Salah's a, um, yeah. a perfect option. They won't yeah. win the league though, because I think Man City are going to do it, and here's oh. why. Um, <laughs> Uh, Jack Grealish had a quiet season almost last season. I don't know. I think, to be honest, I kind of expected Grealish to have. Mm. Not as, you know, obviously at Villarie he was the main man. and mm. But with Haaland coming in, like we've seen with Haaland's first goal against Bayern Munich, mm. I think we're going to see a lot more of that this season. The Premier League Grealish is going to benefit so much from having a proper centre-forward up front. I think he's going to have mm. a great season. Mm. Uh, and, and Haaland, I mean... 
Yeah, I know you've kind of said that he'll probably have to adapt a bit more, but of course he is going to be learning from one of the best managers in the world in Pep Guardiola. Mm. He's ultimately, look, he's a wonderful footballer. He is nailed on. I think you'll probably, you'll not see short rods for a top scorer in the Premier League since Alan Shearer was banging them in for Newcastle. It's nigh on nailed on, other than maybe if Salah and Nunes can... can but Harry Kane. Harry Kane. No, not not with not with Harland. I, I, I really? So especially if Harland's taking penalties as well. Like imagine that. I, don't know, I, I think there's I think there's more. I I would I, I'd be on for Kane. I would. Get I yourself would. on it. I'm sure you'll get some decent odds. <laughs> yeah. I think Harland as well. But I mean, even Julian Alvarez as a backup strike. Because I mean, it looks like he's going to replace Jesus almost in yeah. that role. He looks like a really promising signing. So if yeah. Harland, let's be real, he ain't going to play all season because. He, he, for a 21-year-old, he does have quite a lot of injuries. That you just, might, you that can't might say be. that and then say, oh, What's you'll not see shorter odds than Alan Shearer for the Golden he's gonna, Oh, he's going to get injured. just said he gets injured half the time. Well, he he does. Does get in, yeah, he does get injured, but he's not going to miss that many games, is he? Do you know what I mean? He misses a few. He misses a few, but I, I still think he's going to be he's going to be top scorer. Uh, Julian Alvarez is a great backup. Calvin Phillips, yeah. I, I, I like that signing. I didn't expect no. Phillips to go to Man City. It was another one of those of, really? But if he's the Fernandinho replacement, pretty decent one. And he's going to come on leaps and bounds under Pep. Mm. The left-back position's probably the, the final thing you'll see from City before the new season. In terms of uh, of players going out, I think it's roughly about £130 million they've managed to recuperate from, from players leaving the club. Sterling, Zinchenko, Jesus. Uh, Mark Kukurea from, from Brighton seems to be the player they want. It looks like... I haven't got a source here, but I think it's pretty obvious that Cook Ray wants to go to Man City. It's whether they'll pay up, but I think if they get him, uh, they're going to be... Look, Liverpool and Man City, it's going to be another titanic title battle, of course. I, I just think with Haaland, and he, he, he's going he's gonna to get them the title. But it's going to be really, really good, though. Um, yeah, so that's why. But look, it would be boring if we all agreed, wouldn't it, Johnny? I like that you've gone with Liverpool. Um, I said Liverpool in the title race and in, in the final run-in. You went with Man City. So, um, no, it's, it's going to be interesting. As you can tell, always right. Then always right. I think, <laughs> me. Yeah, yeah especially... Let, let's not pull up your WhatsApps about Burnley staying up, then. I never said that. Uh, yeah. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, Mystic Johnny, Mystic Johnny. No, I think it was... Um, yeah, it, 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 fascinating, fascinating. And that, that's the beauty of having to top draw, not just managers, but projects in place at the clubs and uh, putting the manager at the forefront of those projects. So kudos to the owners. Although I would say what Klopp's done with the restrictions of his owners has also been pretty remarkable. Uh, Spec Guardiola's had a bit more licence to spend, although now City are doing well to recoup that money. So, yeah, power to football democracy. Johnny, shall we touch yeah. on that Conference League spot? Because it yeah. could be... Five or six teams probably within contention of getting seventh. I think it's going to be really, really competitive. Yeah, uh, I think I would. I'm thinking West Ham again. I think they have the pedigree now. Bet. Well, yeah. it is, it is, because last season we all said they would oh, finish yeah. lower down. The editor like at the time for the website, Daily <laughs> Han, uh, he was going wild with fury and rage. He doesn't write for us now, but at the time, he was. <laughs> he wasn't. Happy. He wasn't happy. To be fair, though, he was right. He was right, he was and uh, I, I think what was understated, they've got quite. David Moyes has built quite solid foundations at that club. Um, I think they signed Iskamaka today at the, at the time of yes. the time of um, yes. recording this. That will solve the striker issue they've had since um, Sebastian Allaire left. 
because the strikers do you not think he could be another Haller though he only scored 16 goals in Serie A last season probably yeah. his first season in terms yeah. of doing well in terms of numbers big risk isn't it for around 40 million pounds yeah there, there is that um you can't keep getting a player that that, that flops like Allaire, though. I mean, you know. You oh, possibly... by the way, all the best at Sebastian Allaire. Well, we've not mentioned it. But yes. You know, speedy yes. recovery to him. Really, yeah. really sad no. news. But no, um, no Skamaka's a. Uh, I think it's gonna be a good sign of West Ham. Yeah. Uh, but Antonio, you imagine like last season that yeah. like, we all said like, oh, that they'll fall off with the, the congestion and stuff. Yeah. They were essentially playing without a centre forward because Antonio was pretty hopeless from about the fifth game of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Antonio had a really yeah, good first few months, get, didn't he? I mean, and like then, Jared Bowen, like he yeah. he carried that attack. So I think having Skamaka could make a difference, but it, it certainly is a risk. Um, Villa have had another good transfer window, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. I, I think with Gerard, I think he's quite limited as a manager, and yeah. I think I think that's probably the reason why they won't get that that, that seventh or maybe even eighth spot. It's a big test for Gerard. Theoretically, player for player, they should they should be either. I mean, West Ham they've got Ariola, haven't they? Um, now on a permanent yep. basis, but apparently Fabianski's sticking to the number one position, which I find a bit odd because I think you know he's he's very much getting on now. It's been a couple uh, of years since Fabianski was really at the peak of his powers, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it, you know, West, but they've still got, obviously they've still got Declan Rice, which is huge for them. It's it's huge. He's the he's the heartbeat of that team. He absolutely is. Um, so to have him still is out is very very important. Uh, they signed Agiard from Stadrain. He was already injured. <laughs> yeah, he was already injured. But 31 million on the set. Uh, to be fair, centre back wasn't wasn't a place where I thought they necessarily need strengthening. But again, <laughs> I know he's already injured. But at the same time, it's someone to integrate in uh, to that. They've already got fantastic options there, I think. But have him. You'd expect Ariola to eventually become number one, whether it is this year or not. So they've got, the, and I do think that's an upgrade on a, on you know a very very much aging Fabianski as well. Uh, Skamaka to come in again, Antonio. It's just to have an option to rotate with Antonio because, like you were saying, he was dead on his feet, wasn't he? After about three or four months, and he looked like a bit of a headless chicken running round up top. So it would be nice to be because at the same time, Antonio in form is a handful, and he's he, at times you think. He's got almost the Didier Drogba about him. In terms of, you know, Antonio will still be of some use to West Ham because, look, he's going to be able to fill in in those Conference League games and Cup games. And it's not going to burn Skamaka out like it did for Antonio. So, look, they have more options this season. Like we said, we kind of wrote them off finishing in Europe uh, after <laughs> last season. So, I don't think we're both willing to make that mistake again. Mm. So, I as well have gone with West Ham to finish seventh. You know what, I, th- I, th- I feel like the... When Declan Rice inevitably leaves, I feel like that's when it could start to fall. I think he's very integral in that middle of the pitch. Yep. He is a top four midfielder that elevates that team a bit further. But also kudos to Devin Moyes, who has managed to keep that ship steady, humble, uh, focused on defensive determination and grit, and, and and has you know he's got a team really that can play football, but they can also dig in and grind out results. And I think that's why. Uh, we got to owe a lot of the success down to Moyes, and he's almost not old-fashioned style of management because he because he's really modernised himself. I think with, with, with this time at West Ham, he's shown that he's still relevant in the modern era, but you know not necessarily obsessed with playing a certain style, but just more obsessed with getting the job done, instilling humble values into into a playing squad. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I think he's done a he's done a phenomenal job. Continue as he's, he's he's like he's had a bit of a 
resurgence, hasn't he, since the Sunderland and Sociedad and Man United exploits. And he's coming to West Ham and just showing how good of a manager he is. And mm. I think he'll, he'll keep that up, like you said, and probably until until Rice moves on. I think West Ham will be they'll be in and around the European spots. I think the gap between the big six and the teams below will get a bit mm. bigger this season. Mm. Uh, but I, I expect West Ham to be best of the rest. But it's not going to be too far off my team, Newcastle. Uh, mm. I, I, To be honest, when the season finished, I thought I would put Newcastle down as that that team to finish in seventh. But the transfer window hasn't materialised the way that we thought in terms of players going forward. Look, that may change before um, the season starts. Uh, but it does seem that, like that was that we heard that there was a, a budget in place, and it seems that the club are sticking to that. Which, to be fair to them, I think isn't a, isn't a bad thing. Look, in terms of yes, they've got the wealthiest owners in the world. They aren't mm. the wealthiest club in the world. They mm. don't have the money that Manchester City, Liverpool, you know, the big six have in terms of you know in terms of sponsorship deals, that sort of thing. Mm. I mean, for for comparison, they've they've signed a sleeve sponsor for seven and a half million pounds a year. Yeah. Their kit sponsor. I think is two million pounds. Their mm. main shirt sponsor that they can't get out of until next year is way less than the thing on the sleeve. So I think until then it is going to be more transition for Newcastle. Mm. But they've got a great manager. The home form was remarkable that back end of last season. If they can keep that up, I think they're they're a shoe on in for top ten. Sven Botman coming in as well was a is, is a huge sign and that that strengthens that defence. Um, Thought he was going to Milan. <laughs> Evening, Alessandro. <laughs> what do you think on Newcastle, though, Johnny? Yeah, I've also gone eighth. I think they showed a real steely determination last season to pull themselves out of where the situation that they were in. It mentioned many times, but under Eddie Howe, they're a tremendous amount fitter than they were under previous manager Steve Bruce. He's probably focused heavily on sports science. He's prob- I think I think Howe's probably benefited from the break he's taken from football management. Spent a long time at Bournemouth. Well, he probably went, needed he went, that time. Um, he went and visited a lot of training grounds. I mean, he went mm. to watch Simeone. I think he w- he'd, he'd been to Melwood, which was before they moved, you know, watching Klopp. So I think he took a lot Bruce. of advice. He t- <laughs> I don't think he took any from Brucey. <laughs> Maybe on days off. But <laughs> <laughs> you choked on your tea there, Johnny. For those who can't see the screen, Johnny has now muted his mic as he continues to cough. But I'm, while he's coughing, I'm going to continue talking about Eddie Howe and uh, and the stuff that he's done. It's certainly made him a better manager. I do think maybe after the World Cup, if it doesn't go well for Southgate, then I think England may move on him. I don't think he'll go, but he's he's got himself into that question of maybe he is the next England manager. But credit to him, because a lot of people wrote him off after he got uh, not, not got sat, but relegated with Bournemouth. So uh, kudos to him. But Johnny, if you have finished your coughing fit, feel free to carry on, my friend. Jose Mourinho for England after Southgate. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah. Keep on track, keep on track. Yeah, so ninth, uh, ninth and tenth. Two Midlands clubs, I think, I think uh, Villa and Leicester, will will occupy those. And you're right, I think I think it's really interesting. Ninth, would ninth be seen as an achievement for Villa? It'd be a top ten finish. Uh we often know that the difference be, can be quite finite between seventh and ninth and tenth. Quite a few teams vying for those positions. But given the money that's been spent, given the players that have been brought in, I think part of the reason to get Gerard was the attraction of play for Steven Gerrard, a football legend and icon. And Coutinho's obviously come through the door this summer permanently. 
probably a good signing because you have Coutinho and Wendier on the pitch. You've got creativity in abundance. You, you know, two players. You don't seem to play both at the same time, though. No, 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 no. So sometimes yes, sometimes no. I wonder if that's something that gets integrated this season. It's brilliant to have one in reserve if one's not doing as well, oh, though. Yeah. The depth in Aston Villa squad is very, very, very good. You've got Leon Bailey, who's coming from the Bundesliga. Sharon Flashes are brilliant. You've got Ollie Watkins, who's done rather well since he's come in uh, from from Brentford. You've got Danny Ings, who's not really hit the ground running yet, but he's a proven Premier League goal scorer. Uh, he had moments of excellence last season. He just couldn't quite deliver on a regular basis. And that wasn't down to injuries. That was just down to formation changes and preferring Watkins leading a, a one-man attack. Sometimes he'd be in a two-man attack. Sometimes he'd be up there by himself. So, yeah, I, th- I think what Gerard has is a lot of players to work with what system does he go with? Does he go back three? I think there's a poss- there's a good with with uh, Diego Carlos coming in now. There's a there's a good plausibility to go with the back three. Maybe Mings, Carlos, Conta. Maybe put Carlos on the on the left hand side and go and, and go without Mings altogether. Some Cash would be an excellent wing back as well. Yeah, Lucadine would would also. Re- that, to be fair, look on the base of that. That is a solid like back three and. Well, yeah, yeah, you say that Cash Dean. Douglas Louise, John McGinn is your double pivot. It doesn't get much better than Douglas Louise and John McGinn. John McGinn for me gets into mm, some of the It's no Bruno Guimaraes and Joe Linton, but it's yeah, all right. It's yeah. I think I think I think John McGinn would seriously get into some of them top six teams without doubt. I think he's a seriously underrated mm. performer. No, I think he is. He's a seriously underrated performer. Gets into Man United's midfield as it is now. Probably gets into Tottenham's. No. I think he does. Bissimer and McGinn, you don't think that, that that's what it'd be? I think, Heiberg, I think Heiberg's better than yeah, but Heiberg's a different player Bissouma's almost a Heiberg really I think it probably will be Heiberg he's not better than Bentoncure no I would have him over Bentoncure I would Johnny. the kid's a very very good anyway he's a very good player and so is Douglas Louise he's a very very solid defensive midfield so you got those two and then obviously in the three man attack you could have you could have Bailey Wendia Ings Watkins but then you can also go back four and then you include another one of those attacking players. So the options yeah. are there for, for Gerard, And I don't, I don't doubt there's another one or two signings that he wants to bring in after that as well. Obviously, they've got Bubakar Kamara as well, who's going to yeah. start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll so, start over Douglas Louise, probably. Yeah, so, probably. probably. You forget, don't you? I mean, yeah. and, I mean, on the base of it, Johnny, they have got probably the best of the... Yeah, they've got the best of the rest squad. Yeah. I Villa agree. should finish seventh, but I just think they're limited in terms of the manager. My hot take of this is now, I'm, I'm sure you'll probably have one as well, is Gerard gone by Christmas, Unai Emery in at Villa. Bad evening for Gerard. <laughs> Bad yes. evening for Gerard. But uh, well, no, it's interesting because I think I think as I said, Gerard himself attracts players in. He does. It's almost like you know when Manuel Pellegrini was at West Ham. Have you seen that photo, that meme where Gerard stood in the dugout? Have you seen the photo? I've not. Oh, you, you will. I'll, I'll send you it. But it's it's a it is a it's a funny photo. It's like once if once the villa come knocking, it's a different kind of knock. I'm, I'm sure you'll have seen the Twitter page. But I'm, I, gonna, I, I'm sending you the photo right now. You can do. <laughs> well, my phone's in the other room, so I'll, I'll, I'll look at it after this podcast. Um, but I do think he brings in. <laughs> I can imagine what it's about. I do think he brings in a, a certain caliber of player. Would Dean Smith have got? Yeah, that yeah. photo. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Very good, very good. He showed the camera now. He showed the camera so I can see it in all its one pixelated form. <laughs> but um, Coutinho doesn't sign under Dean Smith. Diego Carlos doesn't sign under uh, under under Dean mm. Smith. No. Dean doesn't sign under Dean Smith. I don't think they do. I think the 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 
the desire to play for a football legend in this situation is 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 a really big pull factor for Villa. If Gerard could have another window where he'd attract, you know, some of Europe's hotter talent, and then he ends up moving on, I think he's done he's done Villa the service it needs, kept them in the league, kept them competing, and they've they've managed to build something which could be taken on, like you say, by another manager. But one problem I think Gerard has is almost there's too much option if if you will because i don't think he's a manager with a set formation like you know someone no. conte's got a back three tuchel's a back three you know pep four three three etc i think gerard's still learning that and with the amount of options he has at villa i'm thinking you know we we just said there's a good plausible option for a back three but then you could say well there's a plausible option for a four two three one or a four three three which, which way do you go don't know when dean smith got sacked he tried to go back three and then he had back four he couldn't really decide they kept losing got sacked so it's yeah, it, it, a, it's a big job, a lot of pressure. Oh, it's a massive job, yeah. I think it'll, I think it'll last the season. To be fair, Harry, I do because you know it, it, it's his status in the game, isn't it? And, and Villa are expected to be going for like it's not like Chelsea with Lampard where they lose a load of games, and not going to get Champions League. You know, or, the best Villa could realistically hope for probably. Well, I mean, if they had a, if they if they, if they were feeling really ambitious, you might say a top six, but realistically, they'll probably say seventh. So if they fall a bit short of that at the end of the season. It's not the end of the world, but you might just have a you know a decision to make on Gerard's future. But if he finishes like twelfth or thirteenth, yeah, then there's definitely food for thought in terms of replacement. I, I think top oh, no, ten. There is, there I is. think a top ten finish with Villa. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what I don't look. I, I can't gauge the feelings of the fan base. I'm not a Villa fan myself, but with that squad, yeah, you you would you've got to really be saying seventh or eighth. Yeah. But a top ten finish would be an improvement on last season because they didn't yeah. finish well. I mean, it was a thirteenth or fourteenth they finished yeah. with that team. It no, was a big underachievement all I say Harry you can't be too down about top 10 finishes it's a bit like if, if Eddie Howe doesn't finish seventh but they signed some more players Newcastle yeah you'd say well keep pushing as long as you keep building if you, finish you improve every year, single season then yeah but I think it's, it's a different sort of project the Villa yeah. one to the Newcastle one because I think Villa's a lot about the here and now mm. in terms of look Gerard, if that Liverpool job comes vacant he's off it's. It, I think a lot of the impetus, like like signing Diego Carlos, though, I feel it's like it's it's it is the here and now of look, we want to get Europe this season. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I feel with Newcastle, it is more of this long term thing of, mm. I mean, let's be honest, they're they're they've been the only reason not to do that is because they don't have the sponsorship money in until next mm. season. Uh, so You're sponsoring them, Saudi Arabia. Hmm. Maybe. Mm. It's hard to say. It's not, is it really? I mean, the, the, the away kits, the away kits, the Saudi Arabian colours, much to the horror of a lot of the left-wing journalists who are out there. Uh, Harry finds it quite funny with his fascist tendencies, but um, he laughs. He's not. What? He's not really a fascist. Jesus just a, just a, just just a moderately right supporter of his football team. <laughs> and when I say moderately right, I mean he's always he's making me come across like a really no, no, bad no, no, no. Brexit. When, when I say moderately right, far I mean, from the truth. When I say moderately right, I don't mean in terms of political things. I say moderately is usually right in his in his opinion. Mm. Yeah, usually get your opinions right. So yeah, the, I'd have Leicester in ten. Uh, no European football, but no incomings of any kind at this moment in time. Still got Brendan Rodgers. Still think Brendan Rodgers is a good manager. What did I say before the you know podcast gone by? I said. They Leicester, if they want to keep with Brendan Rodgers, they need to overhaul the squad because usually what happens is after a few years, things get stale. You either get rid of the manager, new manager comes in, gives some life to the squad, or you get rid of half the squad. Not half the squad, but you, you do a bit of a, 
uh, a life cycle change. You you turn some players out, you get quite a few players in, and you refresh, you reboot, and you go again. And they've not done that. So while they've not got European football to contend with, and they've still got a very good squad, I just sense there'll be a bit of staleness again. I just I just see a mediocre ten. They've got they should be better than that, but they've been with Rogers a long time. They've not advanced from last season's squad at all. So I just think they've, they've set for a middle of the road season where they could be pushing for more. And then what the, what's going to probably happen if that happens, if they don't have a big resurgence in this window, which they still can do, there'll be questions about Brendan Rodgers, who'll probably end up going. And then a new manager will come in and they'll stick with Lars in the same squad and they might change one or two players. It's usually the case, isn't it, Harry? You either have a big you know, resurgence every three, four years where you chop change, chop change and back the manager. But in most cases, the manager goes. And do you think Rogers will probably end up going or being the one that goes? Or do you think Leicester will say, you know what, we're going to change everything and we're going to re- reboot everything for Rogers? I think he'd be sacked before yeah. the, end of the season, to be honest. Um, we've got a mutual friend who's a Leicester fan. And I, I, w- I was talking to him at, at length of the day about Leicester. And I think it's, mm. f- for me, I, I think I think ninth. Because when, oh, okay. when you when you look at last season, yeah. they had Conference League, they went all in to try and win it. It didn't work out. The amount of injuries that side had as well, mm. they still finished top 10 pretty comfortably. Yeah. I think that that side is, is, is too good to finish bottom half, but I think that Rodgers will go. Yeah. But I think it, surely they're not going to have as many injuries as they had last season. I feel like I it's just the a case, situation as well, Johnny, is yeah. a problem. I feel like it's just a case, isn't it? If you hear the same voice, the same coaches, and you know the same lead all the yeah. time, unless you bring fresh blood in, people are just gonna they're just gonna get a bit bored or fed up yeah. or or maybe drop the standards a bit. And I just think that's where Leicester are. They're coasting a bit, I think. Yeah, coasting. Yeah. But I think okay. do you agree with me there? Of like, yes, the manager may go, but they're still gonna finish top ten. Yeah, tenth. But they're not gonna get Europe, I don't think. Tenth, yeah, tenth. I've gone with. Uh, yeah, you need to promote a club. Should we? Should we go with? Yeah, keep it, Bournemouth, keep it interesting. I think Bournemouth and Fulham down. Must admit, uh, I think Forest will do quite well. Bournemouth down because they've not really spent anything so far. That can change, but I don't think the squad coming up is necessarily good enough to to survive. Um, and the players they brought, as I said, they've not spent a lot of money either. Scott Parker as a manager seems to have done the bare minimum really so far in his career. I think I don't think he's a terrible manager. I think he's a bit of a blank slate, a bit like Lampard really. Kept full and competitive for most of the season before they went down in their season in the Premier League in the in the lockdown season. He got a very, very good Bournemouth squad for the a very good Bournemouth squad for the championship in my time, but he got one of the better squads of the championship promoted at the first time of asking. That was generally what was the expectancy. But when I, I must stress, very good for the championships, not very good for the Premier League. And the reason they went down was, was was for that reason, I suppose. So I think they are short and they've not really addressed that. And I don't think Parker is necessarily the man with the miracles or the Houdini act to pull off a, to pull off a great escape. So at present, they look like the team that's going to finish bottom. I've also got Fulham. I know you've got Fulham. Well, spoilers. I know we differ on Fulham to a point, but I think with Fulham, I really do rate Marco Silva as a manager, to be fair. I think he's a very, he's a coach with a CV that's very good if you take out the Everton uh, end to his Everton career. Uh, I, know, I said that before last time, and I think the Watford editor Oscar was saying, well, he didn't do a good job at, at Watford, but actually... He did because Watford 
you know, Watford aren't doing very well now and under him they were doing quite well. He had a bit of a bad form and they sacked him because they felt his head was turned. That's not his fault. Watford sacked managers. Why would your head not be turned if someone else came into you? And so, yeah, no qualms about Silver. Done a very good, had them played some unbelievable football last year in the Championship, scored over 100 goals. Mitrovic was on fire. I just think the way they play with the expansivity of it and the, 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 the wonder of it in the Championship it almost takes me a bit to the Norwich City of Daniel Farker in that mm. you open, you know you're better than most teams in that league, so you attack, attack, attack with numbers, you play beautiful football, you score lots of goals. Try that in the Premier League, and I think it, it just doesn't work the same. And people will say, oh, Mitrovic has scored 40-plus goals in the Championship, so he's going to do it in the Premier League. But when Premier League, when the club and Silva have to compromise that style to be a bit more pragmatic and defensive and suddenly he's not getting the same amount of opportunities suddenly it's a different ball game I just think I think Andres Pereira on loan is quite a clever signing to be fair oh, I think it's a terrible signing but you think, you I, think? Thought he, I think it's horrendous I think it's terrible for Manchester United he went to Brazil didn't he he went back to Brazil and then he's, now he's back in the Premier League no I, I, I don't think he's too bad a signing I know he had a, he had a few moments on the Soul Show where he thought mm, maybe and he didn't quite come off for him but no, I, I I don't think that's too bad. I mean, it's only on loan as well, so it's a low-risk one. It's a low-risk one. They're going to sign Leno as well, probably, so I, th- I think that's not a bad signing as well. But the thing with Leno is he doesn't command his box brilliantly, and I think when you're a promoted club, you think, well, it helps, doesn't it, when you've got a keeper that takes the pressure off your defence. I'm not sure Leno's one. Very good shot-stopper. Not bad with his feet, but is Could he... they get better, though, in their position, Johnny? Mm, probably not. Yeah, it's, 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 an improvement on, it's an improvement, certainly, on what they had. Uh, almost reminds me a bit of when Victor Valdez went to um, to Middlesbrough. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he didn't quite, he was good, but he wasn't, you know, the solution necessarily that they needed. There's still a lot wrong there. So, yeah, they would be my 19th and 20th. And But Forrest, yeah, I, I've got good vibes about them. Under Steve Cooper, they, they turned away from complete adversity that they were in before he came, where they were staring down the barrel of relegation. Took them to the championship playoffs. They went through. I was there. What a wonderful game! Oh, okay. It's an awful game, but it was a wonderful. You know, it was, Steve Cooper was on the verge of tears. You could see the emotion of the Forest um, reporters, the fans. It was brilliant for them and brilliant to witness, just even as a neutral. But they've been on a remarkable journey, and, and they they have backed that journey this this summer. Nico Williams is a wing back signing, seventeen million bit on the price end, but. Good signing, I think. Still a bit pricey, I do believe. Um, Brennan Johnson signing a new deal. Good, good bit of business as well. They've also signed... Well, they've, they've signed several players across the board, really, Harry. And most recently, Jesse Lingard, uh, which I think is quite a smart signing because it's a year deal where it's 80,000 base salary with, with bonuses that go up to 200. And basically, you're signing a player for 8, 10 million. I know there's not going to be no return on that because he's, he's just on a contract basis. But... I think it's quite smart. There's no, if they go down, they've got no burden from him. You know, they're not sandwiched in a three or four year contract where he's on ludicrous amounts of money. It's a one year deal to prove his worth. Um, and the 200,000, I had to laugh, there are a lot saying he's on 200k, but he's not. He's on 200k if he does all his bonuses. 80k base, if he's terrible, he's only on 80k. And I say only, it's still a lot, but slight hyperbole in the media. I just think across the board, they've, they've recruited very, very, very well. Last season, they played some brilliant football in the Championship. But one big difference maybe compared to others is that in the in the FA Cup, against some of the big boys, they showed they could match them. They did. And it showed that tactically, Cooper was on a really solid level. 
they were causing so much, so many problems to different teams. Liverpool, I think they played Arsenal as well, didn't they? Beat Arsenal, didn't they, in the FA Cup? I think. Uh, beat, beat Arsenal and beat Arsenal. Beat Spurs? No, I think they lost to Liverpool, but it was a very close game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they lost to Liverpool. They beat Spurs, beat Arsenal. Yeah. Spurs, yeah. I think so, yeah. No, it might have been Middlesbrough that beat Spurs. Middlesbrough beat Spurs, yes. Yeah, Forest beat Arsenal. And Leicester. Yeah, they smashed Leicester 4-1. So, I think they'll I think they'll finish 13th. I think they'll have a really, really good season. A bit like Brentford last year. I think they'll... I, I say surprised, but a lot of people don't think Forest will go down, so they'd be not surprised. No, um, I've got Forest to finish 14th. I mean, to be honest, our like predictions are so close. It's, it's just, this is what happens when you're oracles of football, really. You have the same predictions. Yeah. Uh, Forest, look, I think the Jesse Lingard signing... It's more than £80,000 a week base. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but like you said, it's a one-year deal and there's no burden if they get relegated. And Who's he could... giving your information? Yeah. Because mm. of source. Mm. Mayonnaise. <laughs> Tell you after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was I saying about Lingard? Yeah. He could be the difference between them staying up and going down. It's a no-brainer. A player of that quality going to a newly promoted club doesn't happen too often. Richard Keyes doesn't like his marketing strategy, does he? Doesn't like Gabby Bonho either. Gabby <laughs> Bonho doesn't know. like him. <laughs> uh, yeah, Forrest, I mean, they've they've brought in a lot of players. I mean, they've brought in a, a forward from Union Berlin, I think it was, for about £19 million. Uh, you know, he's another one that's relatively young. It seems that's the approach they've gone for. They've gone for young players that are clearly talented and that, that can grow with the club if they do stay in the league. So no, they've they've had an exit window. They've they've, they've been backed heavily by their owners and Tuffalo O'Brien as well. Tuffalo O'Brien from from Huddersfield as yeah. well. Uh, Omar Richards, another player, and um, they've brought in too. So look, they, they've got plenty of options. And like we said. Dean Henderson, they've 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 had a great window to be honest, and like we saw in the FA Cup games, they're a real force at home. And mm. if you want to stay in the league, if you can win the majority of your home games, you, you're pretty much there. Mm. Uh, look, I don't think they're going to be pulling up trees in terms of fighting for top ten because I just think that they that gap in quality between you know the likes of West Ham, Villa, Newcastle, mm. uh, maybe even Brighton, I, mm. I don't think they're there. But they, I think they, they could be too good to go down and, and, and Steve Cooper is a, is a really, really good manager. In terms of Fulham and Bournemouth, I had Fulham to stay up before I heard Johnny talk and, and I've now switched and I've actually gone with Fulham to go <laughs> down. You make a good point. You made a great point in terms yeah. of the expansive football that Fulham play in the championship. The fact they scored over 100 goals. You had Mitrovic. That I think got the championship record in terms mm. of goals scored in a single season. Yeah. But this is the Premier League. You have to play a different type of football. But I can say it is. Marco Silva is a pretty good manager. He is a good manager. He has done this before. He has kept teams in the league before. May have even kept worse teams in the league before. Has he? I'm sure he has. I think he kept um I think he kept Wofford up. No, 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 no. He was only in charge of Watford for about three months. Was it three months? Was it was Everton? He looked kept yeah. Everton in the league and he was kept it The argument That's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, Don't hold down. <laughs> Through a squad though. <laughs> it was a bad squad. It was a bad squad. Yeah. Uh, they'll go down though. I think they've not <laughs> they've not done enough. To be fair, like you said, that the, the jump between the championship and Premier League has is in the last few seasons has proven too big for them. Mm. I think to be fair to them, that COVID season that where they did get relegated, yeah. I think if they had a bigger if they had more time to build that squad up and maybe signed some better footballers I think mm. they would have done it, to be fair because it was a quick turnaround so I think we will see a better 
and more competitive Fulham this season. It's mm. going to be tight, mm. but I just think the teams above them are going to have too much. Uh, mm. They've made some decent signings, though, but not really pulling up trees. Bournemouth, I would be very surprised if they didn't finish rock bottom. Mm. They've two players, uh, Ryan Fredericks being one. I think, who else, who else have they brought in? Oh, um, Darrow, is it Leanahan they brought in? Or? No. Yeah, Lenihan from Blackburn. Yeah, from Blackburn, yeah, he, he's come in. Look, they're, they're, they're championship signs. I think Fredericks is, is an all right buy, but they needed to strengthen that squad because they were flagging near the end of, of the season. I mean, they scraped automatic promotion in the end. And when you consider that Forrest were in the bottom three, Bournemouth were nigh on top of the league all season and they just got over the line, it is a bit of a worry that end of season form and, and without really strengthening that squad, they're pretty much asking to go down, to be honest. I know it might be, I'm sure Bournemouth fans will disagree with me, but Dominic Solanke, it's a big season for him. Look, if he can if he can get 10 plus goals, he'll give them a chance, but I, I certainly don't fancy them in that regard. So, yeah, Bournemouth to, to go down for me. Um, in terms of your 18th place side, Johnny, who have you, who have you gone for? Uh, it's Joe Rothwell as well that went to Blackman because I was talking to my mate who's a Blackman fan actually. He oh, was then uh, him went to Middlesbrough. Yeah, Lennyham went to Middlesbrough. Yeah, which, which he wasn't too happy with, but I suppose Middlesbrough is an upgrade from Blackman in the sense that they are one of the favourites now to go yeah. to, for promotion. So yeah, 18th is a really difficult one because I, I the more I think about Brentford, the more I think maybe Brentford, but I'm thinking Leeds. Okay. Just about. I, it's really hard because I had I had Everton there because of the fact that. It's a very difficult one because I, I, Lampard's still very much a blank slate for me. Even though what he did last year was wonderful to keep them up, play for play they should have stayed up because you know they have some very good quality there. Richarlison was easily the best forward in the in, in the in the teams competing at the bottom, and ultimately Richarlison was the person who kept Everton up with his goals. And so, Pickford as well in between the sticks. Yeah, but I'd expect Calvert Lewin to probably step up a little bit now, and and and, and in that absence. But how much money they have, I'm not sure, because they're in a bit of financial turmoil. They spent a lot before. Don't have Usmanov's money anymore because they cut ties from Usmanov. So it's it's very... They could still, I think, be really much dragged into this. I think they'll be down there, to be honest. Mm. I think Tarkovsky signing is good. I mean, you think about them in a back three and uh, Tarkovsky's ability to pass could be really important. I mean, they like to play a lot of direct balls under Lampard in that back three to the wing backs. Patterson coming in has excited in pre-season. Mikalenko, I actually think, is quite a good player as well at the left-wing back position. Obviously, Neen is probably, injuries permitted, their best centre-back, or at least he was last season, but he did get injured quite a bit. But Tarkovsky coming in gives them another viable option. And then Godfrey, if he can find his feet again, he has the pace to to give them a bit more of a higher line and let them play in a bit more of a higher line, although he had quite a poor season last year. The yeah. midfield that's a worry for me with Everton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say Allen's. I think I feel is. is surely they're going to. I would imagine between now and the end of the transfer market, they will sign a midfielder of some kind. They have to. They really do. Unless, uh, well, to be honest, I think the only way they sell, they sorry, they sign a midfielder is if they they sell a Carver Lewin or an Anthony Gordon. No, but they've sold Richarlison for sixty million. They're still massively in debt, though. I know seems. they are, but they could still probably get a midfielder, you would imagine. I mean, to be fair, the only player they've been linked with that I've seen since Richardson's left was, was Maxwell Corney, which you'll know about. But they haven't just went and paid his release clause, which is a measly yeah. £17.5 million quid. Look, he is going to go for that fee. They yeah. try to get him on loan. Now, yeah. that tells me that that Richardson money has already been put against debts and that sort of Maybe. thing. Maybe. It's really difficult, 18th, because Leeds, who have spent quite well this summer, actually... But they have lost the two best players. Yeah. 
So it's a weird one. And, they, and like we said before, they've not actually addressed the issue I think they've got, which is a striker. Bamford, yeah. Yeah. Is, he's too injury prone. And sent, uh, and defence still worries me slightly. I mean, they got Rocco from, from Bayern, who has played defensive midfield and left back. Um, Furpo's not done very well at left back. But again, he could, Rocco could play in defensive midfield because Phillips has gone. But they also got, I think, was it Tyler Adams as well they've got as well? Tyler Adams, uh, Brandon Aronson as well. I mean, they've brought in a couple of American players that yeah. Really, really happy with Sinistera yeah. as well from uh, from yeah. Feyenoord. I think yeah. that will be a decent signing. But is he Rafinha's level? No. Yeah. And and, and to lose Phillips, to lose Rafinha, and it's really difficult. I, I I'm I'm umming and ahhing, and I probably before the season starts, I will have a different opinion on 18th because Brentford without Ericsson's also a possibility because they were slipping down a slope a slidey slope. And then Ericsson came in and, and galvanised that squad and took them forward. Again. I think they would have went down if uh, Ericsson didn't sign. But De Silva back from injury, a player who's really admired at Brentford, will help them in that regard. In some terms of knitting things together, he's not Ericsson, but he will give them a bit more of a, a, a creative spark, I think, in his absence. Tony also, I think, is one of the better strikers in the bottom half of the teams. He can do the lot, really. He can hold the ball up. He's, he can link play well. He's a good finisher. He's lethal from the spot. He never misses. And yeah, he he he's a really good, you know. It's an interesting way of looking at it, to be fair, because I mean, I've got the same as you in terms of the three that, that could probably fill that 18 spot. Everton, Brentford. Southampton, you would put the in difference there. Is, yeah, Southampton, yeah, you could throw them in there. But I'm, before we get on to Southampton, who yeah. I think will probably be all right. You look at Everton and you look at Brentford. They yeah. have got a 10-plus-a-season finisher up front yeah. in Calvert-Lewin and Tony. Mm. Do Leeds have that in Bamford? Because they have had it in the past, mm. but that injury record and that foot problem that we don't know whether it's still an issue, I think it's a mm. massive concern. Yeah, you can't argue with it. I think... It, and also, Bamford, he obviously performed wonderfully well for Marcelo Bielsa, but that's the only manager is really shone for Marcelo Bielsa, who's the one who he loved to bits. Yeah. Will will he will he deliver the same for Jesse March? Because let's be fair, outside of his time with Marcelo Bielsa, Patrick Bamford's largely been seen as a as a as a as a bit of a lightweight striker, if that if that makes sense in terms He's of He's almost been that player that's like, oh he could be alright, but yeah. will he make it? He is yeah. almost like how can I describe? He's a bit like the Premier League's Jordan Rhodes, isn't he? Yes. Where if you get him firing, he he will score you goals. But yeah. it depends on which club he's at at the time and whether he's any mm. decent or not. Mm. Yeah, he's a question mark striker. That's what he is. Mm. Yeah, there's also the feeling, like I say, we're under Jesse March, he came in a very difficult situation. To be fair, but his style was still quite unco- I know it's difficult to, to, to maintain a style midway through a season after taking over a, a god at a football club but many of the fans weren't convinced they knew what the idea was what the plan was what was supposed to be going on it was almost like it was just more of a defensive approach wasn't it to what Bielsa had it was yeah. like let's not throw everyone up front here you know, let's keep a few players back it's a big season for Jesse Marsh isn't it because I mean yeah. I expect we're going to see his stamp on Leeds United I, I don't think we saw that last season I like Jesse March. I think he, you know, he, he his speech after they stayed up was also quite, you know, powerful. You like you like the way he galvanised the group. The <laughs> players on the pitch and that sort of thing. The unity. I think the fans yeah. will buy into that as well. Yeah. So honestly, it's a toss of a, a toss of a three-way coin. 
And even uh, Southampton, like we mentioned, could probably yeah. even fall into that as well. Arebo's come in. Arebo's a solid signing. They've also Losing Armando Breuer, is a, um, that, that could be a concern for them in terms yeah. of goal scoring. But Breuer, Breuer, was, Breuer did really well for for the first half of the season. It sort of tailored off in the second. Yeah. You'd like, to think, You'd like to think Adam Armstrong would, was to step up. You'd, they're also linked with Delat from City, another young player. A bit of 16 yeah. million, it got rejected. I think they probably will get that one over the line, but he might have to settle for a loan. Um, obviously, I feel like Ward-Prowse is the key differentiator here, yeah. because I think if Ward-Prowse went to a top six, seven club, you might think, mm, I'm not sure he's really got the attributes. But for Southampton, you know, takes, takes free kicks like penalties, good passing range, very, very good finisher. For Southampton, he's, he's the icon. He's the Declan Rice. He's the, he's, uh, Just uh, about to say, it's like it'll all un- unravel when he leaves. Oh, if he left, I'd, I, they could be 20th. They really could. He, 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 the amount of points he saves for them. Set pieces are so important when you're near the bottom, and he's the best at around at set pieces. Like I say, I think if he went to a bigger club, you might, like with England, you might say, is he, is he really good in a full round game outside of set pieces? Maybe not. But for Southampton, yeah, he's godlike for that team. He really is. Uh, Aribo also coming in from Rangers, solid signing. Like I said, they've got a new goalkeeper now as well, uh, which was needed. I think as good yeah. as Forster was. He had his good moments. He also had his down moments. There was lack of consistency. And McCarthy never really completely impressed me. I actually think they had the weakest number ones in the division for quite a while, Southampton. Yeah. So the goalkeeper reinforcement was needed. And Sekumara as well, coming in from, from Bordeaux, by all accounts, seems to be a, a good young French striker that, that could... You know, he, he, it looks like he's going to fill the try and fill the void that Broya left last season. Yeah, so I think they've, I think they've had quite good recruitment this this window, and I do think that Ralph Hasen, who's a very, I always say he's a very underrated manager, but I do think he is. Uh, there will be a time when I think they don't quite recruit right, or well, not even that. I think there'll be a time when the, the teams below them aren't quite as poor. I think that's, that's the reason. I think why that I'm is thinking. will always be the thing with Southampton, where it's like I think they are just too good to go down. And Just look, about. You know that Southampton are roughly going to finish between 40 and 47 points every season for me. And that will keep you in the league. Just about. I feel like it, it is just about. Uh, whether they did find themselves in the mire and decided to sack Ralph Hasnoodle, I don't know, because they might just then go for an all defensive manager. But yeah, I, I think they are slightly too good because Leeds have sold the two best players, Everton are in a crisis. Aren't they always? Brentford's lost Ericsson. It's 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 you really know, it, hard. You can't to really write Fulham and Bournemouth up. You, you don't know what you you don't know what to expect here. So it's... I mean, I did. Oh, I mean, yeah, you did. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah. you never know. Fulham, look if they yeah. if they can become a solid, decent defensive outlet, they've yeah. got a great chance of staying up. Yeah, maybe I don't know. So yeah, so so currently, 18th leads. 17th Everton, 16th Brentford, 15th Southampton. I have gone with Brentford 18th. I yeah. just think that when you look back at last season, without Ericsson, they would have went down. They were on a downward spiral. He came in, I think they won eight of their last 11 games or something with him. Remarkable form. Losing him is a big blow, but Evan Tony. Josh Silva and co. could keep them up. But I'm going to go with Brentford 18th. Uh, Leeds 17th. It's all on the recruitment, really, but I think they have bought well. Obviously, they've sold Phillips and Rafinha, but they have bolstered, you know, multiple positions, which should make a difference. Uh, Everton, 16th. I just think man-to-man, Calvert-Lewin, Anthony Gordon. I feel like Everton, I, I feel like Everton swap Everton with um, with Brentford. I feel like Everton's 16th. 
I just think Goodison. I, just I think, like... think Goodison and Elland Road are so important to them two clubs, and it's very, very difficult at the end part of the season to go there and win, regardless of ability. Like we saw with Everton last season, beating Man United at home, beating Chelsea at home, staying in the division. I think that that's a big advantage compared to. Brentford. We do graphics for this. I might, I might have changed my 18th, 17th, and 16th. <laughs> They're the only ones I'm not sure. Of. I'm yeah. quite happy with everything else. Um, to be fair, though, until the end of the week, I think to be honest, before until the first game of the season, I think it'll change around because I think yeah. even going further up the table, if Newcastle can sign a, a, a top, top winger and maybe get in a Broyer on loan, I would put them seventh. Broyer's more, more likely to go West Ham though, isn't he? No, Skamaka's gone. So no, but even even gone. so, it didn't matter, does it? Why would that matter? Well, he's not going to play. Might do. What's sorry? Why not? Mike Moyes might play with like six strikers, <laughs> but <laughs> no, he theoretically could. They were linked with both players, weren't they? They were linked with both, but apparently now they don't want to sign Broyer because. Don't want to sign them. Damn. Right. Uh, Crystal Palace. Before we wrap up, because yeah, Crystal Patrick Palace, Vieira. Brighton, and Wolves. Yeah, Brighton and Wolves. Well, I mean, I've got Brighton eleventh, I've got Wolves twelfth, and I've got Palace thirteenth. A lot of people I've seen tipping Palace for top half this season. I mm-hmm. can't see it happening. Mainly because if you look at the injury record of their players last season, they barely lost anyone to injury. Yeah, it was Vieira's first season. Usually, the second man, second season for a manager is never really as good as the first because they sort of get found out. Uh, but they're too good to go down. They've got some great attacking players. Um, obviously, Eze being back, that's a that's a big boost for them, but mm. not good enough for for top ten for me. Yeah, I got Palace eleventh, Brighton twelfth, Wolves fourteenth. Big drop off for Wolves then. Yeah, it was weird last season. I feel like, yeah, they've not really... They've got Nathan Collins in. Nathan Collins, very, very good player, very good young player. Will fit the back three like a glove, theoretically, if they still stick with the back three. Neto back as well, that's a boost. They need they need more. They need a really big window, and they've not had one. And, they, you know, I know Collins has come in, and that will be a really good signing. But I actually thought the Wolves, three, the Wolves back three are quite a solid back three. I think Collins will, will upgrade that. He... Really did come on leaps and bounds towards the end of Burnley's season. Very good at coming out with the ball. Very good with the ball at his feet and good passer and solid defender. A bit raw though. He, he doesn't, you know, he's terrible against Newcastle, for example, on that final day. But yeah, I, I think that's a solid sign. I just think they need more generally. I think Neto coming back is a good thing though. Uh, he's been doing really well in in pre-season. He'll be in my fantasy football team, no doubt, uh, as a 5.5. But yeah, I I think I don't think there'll be there'll be any danger of going down. Bruno Large is a very good manager, very open. I just think they need to back. They're it. very I mean, stagnant. That is what they are. There's just not a lot going on really. They, need, they might surprise. They, they might surprise us, but I can't see them finishing top ten again. I know they they finished it like there last season, but that that back end performance was horrendous. Yeah, I mean, based on that, they were in relegation trouble, weren't they? at that point but they won't be I think defensively though they are very very good I mean they don't concede any goals they were I mean they did towards the end of it they did towards the end of it I I feel like they can start the season well but I don't think unless there's some real investment I just don't see them carrying it through especially with the teams around them now starting to catch up like Villa you know you imagine Leicester are going to be better Newcastle have obviously spent money they aren't really in a position now where they can sit there and go, well, we know we're going to finish between 7th and 10th. Mm, mm. Yeah, but again, too good to go down. Too, far too yeah, good to go down. Definitely. The likes of Neto and Jimenez. Even even Jimenez, post his injury, is not quite as effective as he was, but no. he's still... And Moutinho and Neves are, are, are top class still. 
They are. Moutinho's getting older, though. I feel like still a great player, mind. I think they did probably need someone to maybe, you know. One thing I would say, though, actually, Harry, as well, Morgan Gibbs White coming in. Yes. Coming back. That could be good. That could be good. He's very good for Sheffield Wednesday. He also had a big reputation before Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United. Had a really good reputation before he went to Sheffield United, although. And he's enhanced that. So, again, I'm looking at that and thinking, I could swap Brighton and, and, and Wolves around because Brighton have well, lost. Does, does Gibbs White actually fit into Wolves' team? Because he is more of an attacker midfielder. Gibbs White. Yeah. yeah. You could have him either. I mean, they've been playing with the back four in some games in pre season, so that's interesting whether they actually go the down. The signing of Collins alludes to another back three, though, especially with Cod Cody. So, yeah, you wouldn't think that, yeah. Um, but you could play him as a 10 in a 3 5 2. You could play him. As a, as a wide forward in a 3-4-3. You could, in a back four, obviously, play him as a 10. You could play him in a double pivot uh, if you were chase, if you were needing to break a team down, perhaps, and you needed to... I'd be surprised to... if they cashed in, though. So, I mean, Everton have right. been linked with him, I think, roughly. Oh, yeah, it'd be unpopular if they cashed in, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. And then, well, yeah, Brighton, as I touched on, they've lost Bissouma. Potter's a very good coach. They've got Undavin, I think, haven't they? As, yeah. As a, as a seems to be a bit of an... He seems to be an FPL sort of player. I don't play it myself because I get bored after the first week. I'm sure I'm not the only one. But it seems quite a few are, are banging him in the team up front. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Kukurea and Bisuma potentially going makes me think, you know, that's, a, that's ripping a little bit out of a very good unit and very good team. But with Graham Potter at the wheel, you often... You get a sense that the, you, th- you think if he got fully backed, like heavily backed, and he has been backed, but if, mm-hmm. <laughs> if they didn't sell any of the best players and they just threw the money at it, they think you, you, you get the sense they could be pushing for seventh. But it's a big jump, isn't it? Yeah, it is and a it's big getting jump. bigger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, Brighton have a lot of good footballers. You know, the, oh, the, yeah, they do. the, the defenders, the centre backs they have. Robert Sanchez is, is competing to be Spain number one in goal. Yeah. Um, Trossard's had a, he had a great season Trossard, Malpais, Hamful, Lamptey in and out, he's had struggles with injuries um, Lovana's still a great footballer yeah, yeah, so they do have um, some really decent operators and we saw, I mean, the, some of the performances last season against the big boys were very good I just don't think over the course of the season they can keep the consistency I don't there. personally see it, but could they get dragged into a relegation fight? Brighton? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, the, the lowest I see them is 14th, really. I mean, yeah, I'm I agree. Wolves, and I'm looking at Brighton. I think they could switch around because technically Wolves' squad's probably as good as Brighton's, if not better. But I don't know. I don't know. There's, like you said, there's a staleness at Wolves. Yeah. There seems to be that staleness at Brighton. They always seem to find something. It's, I think it's going. an interesting one because, I mean, like Wolves have, have been quite regular in Europe and. Yeah. That they've they've kind of had that that feel good factor's kind of gone. But I think with Brighton, it's like, look, if we stay in the league every year, we're quite happy with that. We're just happy to be in the Premier League, and they've got a great manager. <laughs> they play some fans. <laughs> I, I I think they'd probably agree with me. To really? Be what? They're a set of fans of Brighton fans. Oh no, no, uh, yeah, I think they're sound, but I just think that <laughs> staying in the league is probably the main thing for Brighton every season. If if they finish as high, the aim is just to finish as high as possible. So. There you go. Well, hopefully this this does get complemented with some graphics. Uh, if it does, there might be some changes. I'm still thinking about one or two of these. There's two actually. Eight. Come back to me next week, and I'll probably. And then fourteenth and twelfth, eighteenth, seventeenth, sixteenth, and fourteenth and twelfth. Everything else I'm quite happy with. 
was quite odd 14th and 12th. I'm still looking at Man United and Arsenal and Chelsea, and I think that could That's probably That's also another around, one, but... yeah. No, it's fa- in fairness, I will say this, that if, and just to go back, go right back to the start, if Chelsea do have a very, Chelsea get another three or four big quality signings that Tuchel wants, they'll probably get in the top four. Yeah. But, they've just lost, it's, they look set to lose out on Koundé. That was supposedly one of the big targets. They missed out on Rafinha as well. They missed out on Rafinha as well, both to Barcelona. So I have my doubts that they, whether whether or not they can actually get to the end of this window with a fully combative squad that's ready to attack on several fronts. I, I don't know if they can do that. And if they don't, and there's a bit of um, animosity in the training in the in the squad because some players wanted to go and they were they were retained, it just echoes of. Chelsea of the past when things aren't quite right and I don't care who the yeah. coach is the wheels come off so yeah that's one to watch that's one to watch it'll be interesting it yeah. will be interesting I'm anyway. going to run through my before we wrap up I'll run yeah. through my 1-20 I'm sure you'll you'll follow me after so we've got Man City to win the league uh, Liverpool second Spurs third Chelsea fourth Arsenal fifth I've got Man United sixth of course this probably will change before next week um, West Ham in seventh Newcastle eighth Leicester ninth and Villa making up the top ten We've got Brighton in 11th, Wolves in 12th, Palace 13th, Forest in 14th. Then we've got Southampton 15th, Everton 16th, Leeds just staying up in 17th, bottom three, Brentford, Fulham and Bournemouth. Right, I've been changing mine a bit, so it's a bit fraudulent. <laughs> right, OK, I've got Liverpool to win it. Yeah, Liverpool to win it, Man City in second, Tottenham in third, Arsenal in fourth, Man United in fifth, Chelsea in sixth, West Ham in seventh, Newcastle in eighth, ninth is Aston Villa, tenth is Leicester, eleventh Crystal Palace. I've now gone with Wolves in at number 12 on balance, just thinking about that. I, I think they've got a bit about them ahead of Brighton. Ooh, have lost they've two, got a stronger two, 11, haven't they? Mm, mm. I, do, I do rate Bruno Large as a coach. Nottingham Forest in 13th. Brighton in 14th. Still OK. Brrr. Southampton in 15th. Still thinking. Go on. In 16th. Leeds in 17th. Brentford in 18th. Fulham in 19th. Bournemouth in 20th. It's Brentford. a difficult one. Yeah. Brentford have gone. Yeah. I don't know. Could be Leeds. <laughs> so, could be Everton. Could be Everton. Could, could, be, could be anyone. So I'll have to bear that. I'll, I'll have that to think about that. That is the beauty of the Premier League. Be, I'm happy with all of them except for 17th, 16th and 18th. They're the only ones I'm not happy with. So that's certainly something to think about. Anyway, um, my thanks to Harry. My thanks to me for being here, presenting, despite all the busyness that's going on in my life. You enjoyed that, Harry? You have a good time? <laughs> Yeah, I had a great time. I mean, there's nothing I love more than chatting on this podcast about the Premier League and listening to Johnny Whittering on for three and a half minutes about the same point. So no, I've had a wonderful time. <laughs> Probably true, actually. If, if I do end up ever presenting on live radio, I'm sure radio listeners will have similar sentiments. Or they will be like the Manchester City fans who, when I've, as I showed you when I did Man City TV once, and they loved me. They loved me. I did show you that. I'm sure I did. If I not, don't think I've seen it. Do watch it, everyone. When Johnny Bentley went on Man City Fan TV and told it how it was and got so much praise that he decided to set up a dedicated Twitter account to sport, which is now going on political rants as well and rants about the news. <laughs> That's why I had to change. This is Twitter. definitely on your CV, I can just felt. <laughs> That's why I had to change. From... The true story, I used to be called Sports Johnny on Twitter. Now I'm the Johnny Bentley for those reasons. With the blue tick as well. Don't With the blue tick as well. Don't forget the blue tea. So, yeah, be sure to follow me. Be sure to follow Harry out. Harry Roy Sport, because sport, isn't it? <laughs> blue tick. 
uh, <laughs> be sure uh, no 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 be sure to give us a subscribe i used to say this because i say you get a weekly dose of my voice now there were so many complaints with that so now it's a monthly dose of my voice <laughs> there's loads of guests including me me and me yeah yeah it's like that um kira knightley um thing isn't it she on where she goes <laughs> <laughs> is it on love actually that where she goes oh all the pictures there of me <laughs> I'm just going to forget you said that. But in terms of guests, we have people regularly who do ask to come on here. I don't know what Johnny does with them or says to them, but I'm sure we, we do yeah. have quite a lengthy list of... Uh, I find of, them irritating, so I said no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, be sure, to, be sure to give... You've given us a listen. Be sure to give us a subscribe. A review would be lovely. Five stars would be even more lovely. Uh, and we'll be with you again next month to tell you how those predictions are going. Maybe wrap up the transfer window and... Um, and provide you with all the latest fun within our lives and 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 the, and the action in the, uh, in the in the in the wonderful life of of football, the heart that never stops beating, sport. Sport. What a lovely way to end. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We will catch you in August. <laughs>